0: Turn me right up. Hallelujah. Keep going. I'll come closer to you, Barry. I'm too far away. A little bit more, please. Thank you. Just helps my voice, so I don't have to scream at you. (laughs) It's uh, well. It's fun screaming at people. Especially when you're in a third world country, they don't know what you're saying. <laughs> 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 you know. Shauna, thank you so much for that introduction. Um, you know, we have we have been in, in full time ministry in Canada uh, long before I got married, uh, but um, full time since I was 16 years old. And uh, I I I tell you, uh, and not not that it's, it's going to sound weird no matter how I say it, but. Canadians are not very good at honoring people in full-time ministry to, to begin with. We're just not known for that. And we say, well, we're not American. Well, that's no excuse not to show honor. And, and I have lived my life to try to be as honorable as I know how to be. I honor the mothers and fathers of the nation. Um, you know, the, we have incredible pioneers that have paved the way. And, you know, many ministries in the States today that are thriving and are successful are actually from Canadians. Uh, they just had to go south because the persecution got so much in the north. But I believe we're living in a day and age that you're going to see the Canadian apostles and the prophets restored to their rightful place in this land. They will not go to the south for refuge anymore. They will stand true, strong, and free in the north because the church is coming into its season and destiny. So I, I, I bless you and I, uh, I receive the honor that was received to us, Barry Miracle gave me this beautiful jacket. And um, isn't that nice? And uh, so uh, he comes to Kelowna, I buy him clothes. I come here, he buys me clothes. I'm thinking I should come here more than I go there. <laughs> more than he comes to us. But um, I, I, as you know, I, I travel 160,000 miles around a year. Uh, I, I, every single weekend, I'm sometimes I even Many times, many weekends, I'm in two locations the same weekend. I do Thursday night, Friday morning in a city, get on a plane, I do Friday night, Saturday morning in a city, and then I fly a red-eye flight to get home to do Sunday morning in my church. But um, uh, I, I actually, for those of you, how many have heard me before? You heard me minister? Good for those of you who haven't. Um, sorry. And, um, <laughs> but but uh, I'm Canadian. Uh, anyway, so I, I, I actually strongly dislike ministering in evening services. Uh, because I'm not an evening person. I'm actually a morning person by nature. My wife, so, so, I mean, I get invited all the time. Will you come and do a week-long evening meetings? And I'm like, no. Why in the world would I want to do that? That's torture, you know. Marivik, she could be up all night and she could sing and pray for you. But like, like last night, 10 o'clock, I'm like, let's get home, you know. It's like bedtime. <laughs> it's bedtime for me. And uh, in the morning, I'll get up at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. I'm like, whoa, let's start our day. And my wife's just like, what are you doing? You know, go back to sleep. But uh, so, so coming on the conference circuit, you know, coming around, traveling around, and having to do night meetings really stretches my faith. <laughs> um, first of all, because I'm just halfway through the meeting, I'm falling asleep. So, uh, you know, I better be funny or something to keep everybody awake. But, but I'm happy to be here, uh, and, I, and I believe that I have a word from God for you this morning. I believe yesterday I had a word from you. I'm going to lay hands on every single one of you this morning um, that want to have hands laid on them. Some of you don't because, you know, you're freaked out by it. Um, I'm freaked out if you don't want to do it, but <laughs> to each his own. Darling, come on up here and say hello to everybody, sweetie. This is my beautiful wife, Maravik. I tell you, there is nobody who has sacrificed more for our ministry. No partner, no billionaire that has given more to this ministry than my wife. And she has been the reason why we keep going and has often sacrificed time, energy, tears, sweat, money, <laughs> lots of money, and uh, her shopping fund for the sake of the ministry. So I want you to say hello to everybody.
1: Hello. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Good. You know, I just want to say... I absolutely love this house. I absolutely love the presence of God and the hunger and the passion. It's so evident. Pastor Kevin, Pastor Sherry, I we honor you. We honor for what you guys have been contending in this area, what you have fought for. And I am proud of where God has taken you. Like you shared a little bit of your story of where you've started, but wow and I just feel like this morning was so amazing and I I felt like there were some people who came in here and they're like coming with this expectancy for God to move and I just felt the Holy Spirit saying turn your eyes upon Jesus look for face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and praise. And then I just felt Holy Spirit saying, Now watch as you turn your eyes upon me. Watch what I will do. Watch how I will provide. Watch how I will be faithful to you. Watch how I will turn your situation around. Watch me be the great I am. Amen. And so I I love you guys. This is family. I love coming to Belleville and I feel family. I'm like, I think we can move here, but God, you called me to Kelowna, (laughs) so we love you guys, and it it is an honor to be with you, and um, I'm so happy to say that I have another family here in Ontario.
0: I guess we're moving. It wouldn't be the first time I was in the Philippines, and Mayor Vic sent me a picture of a house. She goes, this is our new house. I said, What? She goes, yeah, we're moving here. And so I came home and we moved. And um, so I guess we're going to live in Ontario now. Uh, It's actually a really amazing privilege. I get to travel with a worship leader. And um, sometimes she even sings the music I like. And uh, I mean, I like the Benny Hinn old classic stuff. Isn't it powerful? Like when you just sit and you listen to the old hymns. Uh, some of you n- new young people, you know, like me, you, you know, you don't, you only know the Hillsong version. Like, you know, the Hillsong days are old version of worship music, but there is older, I promise you. And uh, in the shower, I have my own Benny Hinn worship services, and uh, my wife never joins me in them. She's always wondering what I'm doing at six thirty in the morning. <laughs> Open your Bibles, if you don't mind, please, to uh, Luke chapter five. We'll start there. I want to talk to you. About how increase isn't an accident. Increase is not an accident, it's an alignment. I'll say that again. Increase isn't an accident, it's an alignment. In other words, increase isn't an accident, it's an association. What's you, what, what you associate with is what you'll attract. Watch your friends, because often your friends will determine your future. <laughs> So, you know, I don't have any. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, Barry's my friend. You know, he's my friend. He comes and he stays in my house and we play cards and I beat him. It's wonderful. (laughs) You know, I have so many amazing friends. Patricia King is my friend and you're going to meet Heidi Baker tonight. How many excited for Heidi tonight? She's my friend, although we only see each other in airports, but she's my friend. And, and, you know, all throughout my life, I've been given these amazing friends. And, and, and I know what it's like to have friends who tear you down. You know, you, some of you, the word of the Lord for you in this hour is you need to cut the losers out. <laughs> like, cut them out. They've been holding you down and they've been weighing you down for too long. And you're like, well, just maybe if I just keep helping them, eventually they'll come along. No, they're sucking the life out of you. They're life suckers. And you cannot associate with life suckers anymore because all they do is block your destiny. It's time to cut the life suckers out of your life. And start speaking to people like, you don't want to wake up in the morning. Like, you go to your friend like, oh, I don't know if you should do that. I don't know if God's real. I don't know. I don't, that sounds risky. No, you want to be around people and say, no, you dream with God, baby. You go with God. God will supply all that you need according to his riches and glory in heaven. Oh, don't you worry. You are the head and not the tail. See, I associate with people around me like Bill Prankard. Every day I see him, he says, you're beautiful. <laughs> I said, I am, aren't I, Bill? I said, I said, I hope when I'm 85 like you, I'll look just as good. By the way, he's not 85. You know, yesterday he said that he's 91. So I don't know why everybody was talking about 85. But, but I assu- he's not 91. <laughs> Boy, that, that could have been bad. He's 92. <laughs> he's going to show up here in a minute. He's going to come and get you. <laughs> he can still climb mountains. But, but I tell you, your association is important to determine your future. I'm happy that I'm a part of an alignment ministry. You know, we're part of Harvest International Ministries. Well, what is that? 20,000 churches around the world. It's not a denomination. It's an alignment. I align myself to the apostolic movement. People say, well, are you gnarly? I said, what is gnarly? Well, are you part of the new apostolic reformation? I said, well, I'm apostolic and I'm new and I am part of the reformation. (laughs) Right? Right? People say, well, where are you going? What direction? I said, listen, I don't really care about the direction. What I care about is the alignment. Because if the alignment is right, the direction doesn't matter. Too many people are worrying about where they're going. Well, I don't know. Should I go left or right? Should I go straight? Or what's my five-year, 10-year, 17-year plan? Well, I tell you, it really doesn't matter if you know your alignment. Because if you're in alignment with God, heaven manifests before your eyes. And it doesn't really matter which way you go. Choose you this day because I'm going to bless your path that you're walking in because I am the God of the breakthroughs and I'm still cooking up something good for you. So we have the story. See, you you have to understand, you are on the greatest journey of faith you've ever been on. And you're like, well, that's what it felt like 17 years ago. Like, you know, I needed breakthrough 17 years ago. I tell people this everywhere I go, and I wish 10% of the people would get it. Maybe you're going to change the statistics. You have to understand that the breakthrough you have today isn't where God wants you to rest or stay, because where you settle is where you die. You are not called to settle. You're called to thrive. You're not just called to live. You're called to thrive. Somebody actually needs to stand up and say, I'm tired of living in a desert. I want to start moving in the promised land, and I am tired. I am tired of saying it's going to change. I decree that my day is shifting today. You see, when you understand that you're on the journey of faith, it doesn't matter what they say because haters are always going to hate. And then you start to align yourself and associate with people who are actually causing increase in your life. I tell you, my friends are blessed because they're my friends. And I am blessed because I'm their friends. Look at Barry Miracle. You think he got that good looking just overnight? (laughs) Two trips to Kelowna. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Two nights. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, he comes to Kelowna, we pour into him, we bless him, we take care of you, don't we, Barry? I come here, he takes care of me. Why? Because I'm guilty by association. I I go to the Philippines, I land there, they've got people meet me, security guards, police forces, they escort me, they take me to the penthouse suites of hotels. I say, what in the world is going on? They say, John, because you take care of us, we want to take care of you. I'm guilty by association. See, when you start realizing what association you belong to, you start realizing you're more guilty than you think. I am a Bible-believing, charismatic, tongue-talking, decreeing, all-believing, power-of-God-inspired believer. And no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And I happen to believe that if I decree a thing, it's going to be established. And if you don't like it, good night. Because I'm not called to convince you of what I believe. See, that's the problem in the church. Well, come to my church and I'll convince you to believe what I believe. Or come to their church and they'll convince you, listen, my job isn't to convince you what I believe. No, are you kidding me? If I have to convince you to believe that God wants to bless you, somebody can convince you that God wants to curse you. I'm not here to convince you. I'm here to inspire you to actually start living like the Bible says. And if you want to do it, it's up for grabs. But if you decide not to do it and continue to live a pity party Christian life and sing your kumbaya by the campfire, that's what you'll do. But you're guilty by association. Mm -hmm. Well, I go to a church that's not spirit-filled and they don't believe in tongues and they don't believe in prophecy, but the Lord's called me there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. listen to me you need help you can't do it by yourself you are called to be part of family you are called to be part of community you cannot get the victory by yourself in this season and all you prophetic intercessors listen carefully the season of the lone ranger is over And you might think, well, I just, I've been hurt by the church. Listen, the dentist hurts me. But I just saw her on the airplane, literally. She says to me, Dr. C, she says, John, I miss you. I said, I miss you too, just not in the dentist chair. She says, just because I hurt you doesn't mean you shouldn't see me. Well, I, my emotions think, no, I, I don't want to see you. It hurts me. I, I've seen so many Christians, well, I don't know. I've been hurt. I don't want to do that again. I've been hurt by the pastor. I mean, Listen, you've been wrong. We've been wrong. We've all been wrong, but now. You've been wrong. I've been wrong. We've been wrong. The elders have been wrong. The deacons have been wrong. Everybody's been wrong, but now. But now you've actually got to start doing and being the church because there's a whole big country out there filled with a lot of people who don't believe what you believe and somebody somehow needs to show them the goodness of God. We're doing good for time. Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people, by the way, no, I'll tell you later, <laughs> the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats there left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Somebody say washing their nets. Washing their nets. Too many of the churches washing their nets. Because the harvest didn't come, and we missed it, and it's not going to come again. So we better pa- See, what it meant to wash your nets was you were getting ready to put them away. <laughs> See, they weren't washing their nets because they're going to put it back in the ocean in the salty water. No, no. They're washing their nets because they're done. They ain't caught nothing. It didn't work. Good night. Some of you, you, in your spirit, you've taken your nets and you've put them away. Well, this sewing stuff doesn't work and this prosperity and this name it, claim it, blab it and grab it, march around it seven times. That stuff don't work. Listen, I name it, I claim it, I blab it and I grab it and I march around it seven times. Up from the ashes. We're going up from the ashes, Barry. Because we're naming it and claiming it. I'm telling you, it's powerful when you understand that half the body of Christ is up washing their nets. Well, I hope one day you get your breakthrough. It never worked for me. They come to a healing service, and they're full of doubt, not power. I don't know, are they really going to heal somebody? The church has become more skeptical than the world. We become so burnt and so upset and so discouraged that we're just sitting there washing our nets, scrubbing our nets, and everybody else is trying to. And when somebody comes by and says, The harvest is coming, you're like, yeah, right, we heard that. I mean, how many more times do you need to hear that this is your breakthrough year, Shabbat? <laughs> oh, I see money cometh to you now, whoa! I mean, no matter if we shake it, quake it, bake it, take it, no matter how we manifest, we've been saying the same thing for such a long time that eventually somebody's going to say, excuse me, I have a question, Mr. Prophet. we say, yes, how come it's not working? Well, I tell you why it's not working, because if you don't quit, you're going to harvest at the right time. Well, who determines the right time? Not you. There's a famous scripture that I use all the time in my office when people ask me tough questions. I said, oh, I got the answer. It's in the Bible. They said, what is it? I said, Psalms. God sits on the throne and does as he pleases. (laughs) They said, what? I said, God sits on the throne and he does as he pleases. Well, why? Because he's God and you're not. (laughs) But you can apply for the job. (laughs) No, are you kidding me? At the right time, if you don't give up, cave in, quit, back down, forfeit, you actually got to stand and say, it don't look like the boat's coming in, but I'm going to decree a thing, and I'm going to see it established, and that boat is coming in, and the wind is going to stop, and the waves are going to stop, and I'm not moving from this dock until that boat gets to this dock. The problem has been is you've lived your life by emotions. Well, I don't feel like it. Do you think I feel like it? I have walking pneumonia. I didn't feel like going in another airplane. Didn't feel like it. I don't feel like doing a red-eye flight to get home tomorrow morning to preach. I don't feel like it. You know what I feel like doing? I feel like going to Honolulu. That's what I feel like doing. And I want to take my beautiful bride and I want to see her in her bathing suit, and I want to sit by the pool for two weeks. That's what I feel like doing. But guess what? My life isn't run by my feelings. My church isn't run by its feelings. My finances are not run by my feelings. My marriage is not run by my feelings, or this thing would not be working. Do you know how many times she wanted to kill me? I'd be dead if we ran by our feelings. But because we're charismatic and we hear from God and we shake and we quake and we bake, all of a sudden it justifies all of your emotions. The church is emotionally out of control. Depression is from the enemy and it is a mind game. It's a mind game and you can decree your way out of depression. I'm actually working on that. A series, decreeing your way out of depression. How many believe that? You need to stop listening to your emotions and start listening to the word. Well, it's easy to say, I know. I know. When the doctors told me I had a heart problem, I said, I don't receive it. And the doctor says, well, it doesn't matter what you receive or don't receive. I'm telling you what you have. I have a Jew doctor. And he says to me, you know, you people and your revival. I said, Oh, here we go. <laughs> he says, You know, I'm a, I'm a heart doctor. I said, That's why I'm here. <laughs> he says, You know, you don't need a revived heart, John. I said, What? He said, No, it's garbage. You need a whole new one. <laughs> I said, Excuse me. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there. He says, Oh, yeah. You, if I just shocked your heart and got it beating again, it might last you two years. He said, No, you need a heart transplant. He says, It's the same with your stinking church. You guys keep calling for revival. What is revival? Bringing the dead back to life. No, no. You need reformation. You need a whole new model. Mm. Washing their nets. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Jesus ever asking you to go deep? He just wants you to get into the water. Everybody's always like, well, I don't know. It's hard. I don't know if I can go in the water. I don't know if I can give my life to you. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be obedient. He's not asking you to swim underwater for five years. He's saying launch out a little. Why? Because you got to put some trust in me. Mm. He's not asking for everything. He's saying day by day. Oh, he's going to take everything. But day by day, he's going to launch out deeper. You better believe everything I have is his now. He always started, he always started so funny. He says, John, would you trust me at $5? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, Lord. Here, here, $5. I got $5. Here, you got $5. Here, here, it's $5. Here, you take 20 There you go. And uh, Mary always has her hand out. And uh, <laughs> she's always, I always tell her, carry cash when you walk around. She says, why well, are just going to give it away? Well, that's the point. You know, the Lord told me first, John, would you trust me $5? I said, yeah, okay, I trust you $5. And he says, well, how about 20 Oh, at 20, well, 20, that's, that's a lot of money, Lord, 20. That's back way in the day. We didn't have no $20. I said, okay, Lord, I trust you with 20. We were making $500 a month. He said, how, how about your full paycheck? Would you trust me with that? I said, no. <laughs> Why in the world would I trust you with that? It's my money. Well, the Lord said to me, John, until you learn to live by faith, now you won't get the increase. See, here's the deal, church. Listen to ministry. Do you want to know why the faith ministers are doing so well financially? It's because they live by faith. If you live by faith, you get the faith stories. If you live by fear, you get the fear stories. Which story are you living by? He says, launch out a little. Somebody say a little. A little. A little. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. Oh boy, now here comes the catch. Okay, so you were obedient here, which brought you here. Now you've got to go a little deeper. The reason why you're not getting your breakthrough today is because you're all mad at going to the deep end. You're like, okay, I'm going to the deep end. And the Lord's like, whoa, there's a process to breakthrough. There's a process to faithfulness. There's a process to promotion. There's a process to increase. And you don't get it just because someone shabba over you. Don't you believe, like if I could impart to you a Shabbat anointing that you get a check in the mail for $10,000, don't you believe I'd want to do that? But I can impart that to you, but I can impart to you faithfulness. I can impart to you a breaker's anointing. Well, what does that mean? And this morning I'm going to do it. It means that you would actually be faithful to launch at a little and then be faithful. And he instructs you because that's what he did. He was teaching. And then he says, now let's go deep. Because you have enough character and understanding of who I am that when we go a little deeper, you won't be moved. I'm going home. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and we're unionized. (laughs) Oh, sorry. It wasn't GM. I'm in Ontario. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Surely you can give us a check every month. I mean... But because you say so. But because I trust you. Uh, Even though it doesn't make sense. Even though I don't want to do it. Even though I, I actually have no interest or desire or even believe that there's going to be something. Even though I listened to you when I went out a little bit. I sat down. You taught us. Then I went a little deeper. But now you want me to work. Don't you feel like Jesus is always getting you to do something around here? Maybe it's just me. I mean, my whole Christian life, John, 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 will, will you, will you uh, trust me? Yeah, 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 Lord, I'll trust you. Okay, I want you to have a ministry in Ontario. I'm like, oh, I can do a ministry in Ontario. I like Ontario. Yeah, sure. My family's there. Merivick's family's there. Good, so I start a ministry there. He goes, good, now that you've been faithful in Ontario, do you mind going to Calgary? Calgary, he says, he says I've got a promotion for you. I said, a promotion? What are we gonna do? We were pastoring full time at church. He says, Oh, wait till you see what I have for you. I said, What is it, Lord? What do you have for us? He goes, Oh, you're gonna love it. I said, What is it? You're gonna knock on doors all summer long and sell alarm systems. I said what? Yeah, you and your wife are gonna to move to Calgary and knock on doors selling alarm systems. Boy, that's a nice promotion, Lord. Friends like you who needs enemies. So we got, we packed up two suitcases, all that we owned, big, big spenders we were, got in a plane, moved to Calgary with a whole bunch of Mormons. I'm not telling you the truth. A whole bunch of Mormons lived on a university complex. We were probably the only married couple, I think. We were the only married couple because we were only crazy enough to do it. And we would go in for a commission-only job of knocking on doors and selling $5,000 home alarm systems. Oh, the people flocked to us. Yeah, right. It was alarming. <laughs> Maravik was one of the top sellers. And, and so I said one day, on the day of training, I said, you know, hey, Adam, what happens if I have to use the washroom? He goes, we have to ask somebody at the door if you can use their washroom. I said, excuse me? He says, oh, yeah, we drop you off at a subdivision for 10 hours. We pick you up in the nighttime. And I looked at Maravik and says, I don't think I'm called to this. It it, it wasn't in my idea. When I went to Bible college, I never thought I had to do that. Nobody ever signed me up for it. But the Lord said, John, will you trust me through transition? See, you're just going through transition, that's all. Everything's about to change. It's all going to get better. But it only gets better if you trust more. So we knocked on doors. Merivick knocked on more than I. I actually sat in the shade half the day. I was meditating on the things of the Lord. Why am I here? This is terrible. Do you hate me? What have I done? Do I have deep, dark sin that I don't know about? And the Lord said, no, I just want to humble you. I don't need any humbling. I'm the most humble people you've ever met. Just read my letters, said Moses. But because you say so, it doesn't make sense how I got where I am. I'm from the ghetto. I didn't graduate high school. That's the honest to goodness truth. And now I'm overseeing a $5 million budget. Why? But because you said so. I mean, I'm already into it for this much. Right? Where else am I going to go? But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, sight done so. A lot of charismatics miss this part. Done so. It means you're actually doing something. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. (laughs) They're like jumping all over the place. And then, I mean, you could just imagine, Peter, like, yeah, those are my fish. And like like acting like he did it all. Mr. Doubter, just a few verses before. Well, because you said so, I guess I'll have to do it. Now they're jumping in the nets, bringing break. And then he says, "When Simon, listen to this. Verse 7, I want you to listen to this. So he signaled their partners. Somebody say partners. And the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Do you understand? So here he is, Simon Peter, he's sitting there on the shore. Jesus beckons him. And he's all of a sudden guilty by association. So now he goes and he starts obeying the Lord. He's being faithful. He's just like you. He didn't want to do it. (laughs) He was minding his own business. Literally, he caught nothing. That's what happens when you mind your own business. And he's sitting there and then the Lord says to him, come on, come on over here, let down your nets. And he's like, no. Don't you understand? We did this all night long. We're tired. Wrinkles are forming. I've been going to church, John, 30 years. Nothing's changed. My marriage is still in the pits. My kids are still animals. I haven't got the lotto 649 ticket numbers. I'm being stuck in a cycle and I can't break out. And now you want me to do more? I can barely make it Sunday mornings. You want me to come Wednesday nights? But because you said so, because I'm already into it this far, like I'm already wet, I'm already in a little bit, so I might as well go deeper, but he didn't even believe he was going to get his breakthrough. I believe that half of you don't actually believe your breakthroughs in the room this morning. But that doesn't matter because you're guilty by association. It don't matter if you believe it. It don't matter if you believe in prosperity. But because you're hanging around this room and you're in this anointing, it's going to get contagious in a second. It's going to start spreading. It don't matter if you believe in it or not. You could stand in the middle of the 401 and say, I don't believe in semi-trucks. I don't believe in semi-trucks. I don't believe in semi-trucks. But the semi's going to hit you, baby. Why? Because you're guilty by association. You went to the crazy meeting. You're here. So now you're looped in with all the crazy charismatics. You're already in. I mean, Heidi's going to come and sing to you for an hour tonight. You're already into it. You know, one, one, <laughs> one a conference I went to, Heidi Baker went to the front row. Where was this? Was it Toronto? She she went, she went, uh, too big, too small, too big for an hour, too small. I'm thinking, what is she doing? She's pointing at the pastor, too big, too small. I'm going, Heidi, that's offensive. You shouldn't do that. You know, like, what are you doing? Bad offering, you know, too big, too small. And then she gets upset at this section was looking at their cell phone. She goes, and then she says, stop looking at your cell phones. Look at Jesus. Oh my goodness, I'm in the meeting. You know what somebody said to me after? Were you in that crazy meeting last night? I was guilty by association. (laughs) He calls, now get this. I want you to get this. He calls his partners. Well, what has his partners got to do? They were putting their nets up. They were quitters. They were takers. They didn't want nothing to do with nothing. But because they were around Paul, Peter, but because they were around Simon Peter, now they get guilty by association. Let me tell you something. You, increase is not an accident. It comes by association. You're going to be blessed because you came this weekend. You're going to be blessed because this is your home church. You're going to get blessed because you sit under this apostolic anointing. Everything around you is going to start to get blessed because you came in the right alignment. Why? Because if your vertebrae is out of whack, it affects your whole body. So he begins to beckon his partners. Hey, guys, guys, look at the fish. They're jumping out of the boat. Come, 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 come on over. So they come over. Their nets are breaking. They're all freaking out. They're like, it's like Christmas. Not in my house. I mean, we were in the ghetto. We didn't have much. But it's like Christmas in normal white people's house. You know, it's like they're coming in and. Well, you've been to an Asian Christmas, haven't you? It's very different, it's lots of food. And not a lot of gifts because Asian culture gives gifts all year round. I mean, the family, it, it's honor. It's a culture of honor. So they're always blessing. My mother-in-law, all the time I see her, she's always buying me something. Mostly food. <laughs> Why? Because it's a culture of honor. White people, we, you know, Christmas is our day of honor. And I grew up, when we were had money, we grew up with more, more trees and uh, more gifts than tree. I mean, it was overcrowding the thing. I was, I was blessed by association. The increase is in an accident. He calls forth his partners. His partners come. To, they're, they're flipping over the boats. He gets them. They're pulling. Now the boats are beginning to sink. That's a bad problem. Like, now they're trying to get to shore, and it's like, oh, darn, we're so blessed. Some of you are actually complaining about the increase. You have. Well, I've never worked as hard as I have this in my entire life. Are you kidding me? You've never been more blessed. I just can't believe it. I have to maintain five homes because I own five homes. And, you know, that house of mine, that 3,600 square feet, I have to vacuum that whole thing. Yeah, you have to maintain what God gave you because that's called stewardship. Stop complaining about the blessing and the increase of the Lord. Because you don't want to go back to where you came from. Ain't nobody want to go back to Felby Court. Ain't nobody. Nobody wants to go back to the trailer park. Why? Because you've been promoted. You've received increase. He beckoned his partners. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. The boat began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Here's the deal. He calls them based on increase. You think if they were fishing and Jesus saw them like, yeah, I guess you're not going to catch nothing. You're loser fisherman. You want to follow me? Oh, yeah, you're a man that moves in power. We want to follow you. <laughs> Why do people want v- to follow your broke version of God? Ain't nobody want to follow your broke version of God. I mean, you treat God like he's some booty. you got to rub his stomach and he does something nice for you. I've ministered to Muslims for a very long time. And just recently, many of you know the shoe story, but I, I, I for a very long time, I never bought nice clothes for myself. Ever. never ever. That's changed. Hallelujah. Now I go to Louis Vuitton. I remember, I'm going in, in, in a store and... and um, for, for two years, I tried to minister to this Muslim clerk. His name was Ali. For two years, I would go in there every day that I was home, and I would get a tea or a water or whatever. And I would just try to tell him about Jesus. He wouldn't even acknowledge my existence. Next in line, please. Thank you. Next in line, please. Thank you. I'm like, Ali, Ali, the church is having Christmas. Thank you. Next in line, please. So I was with Patricia King in Detroit, Michigan. Patricia King looked at my shoes. They had holes in them, and they were falling apart. And I'm walking on them, and Patricia King says, "Um, John, like uh, your shoes, Uh, they're very holy. I'm like, I'm a holy man. (laughs) See, because I actually thought to sacrifice your finances and live in poverty was godly. I didn't realize it was demonic. Mm -hmm. I just offended half of you. I still got half the crowd, Barry. It's good day. <laughs> and I remember I'm walking around these, and she says, uh, and I forget to this day, I don't know if it's $500 or $1,000, but she wrote me a check. And she says, you go and buy, I think it was $1,000. I can't remember how much it was. But she wrote me a large check. And she says, now you go and buy a pair of shoes. And you, and you make sure you bring the receipt back. And you can't give the shoes away. You can't, you know, do anything, blah, blah. she tells me all this stuff. And I said, okay, okay, Mama Patricia. So I go and I, I buy a really nice pair of, of uh, leather shoes. Like, you know, and, it, and, it, and I actually felt guilty buying them. Like I felt guilty walking in the store. I'm like, oh, this is so stupid. A $1,000 can buy a girl from trafficking. Because at that time, Marivic and I were giving all of our income. I mean, back to the minister, really. We, we weren't making hardly anything. And um, so I was so upset, and I, and I felt so guilty, and I actually felt sick to my stomach about it. That's what poverty does. You know that, right? When you're in lack. And so I finally get them, and now I'm embarrassed to wear them. So I, I wear them to Detroit. We were staying at a host home because we were trying to save money for the ministry. And uh, we go up to bed that night, and I come down in the morning, and there's the big dog. I said, hi, Rufus, you know, whatever his name was. And uh, he turns and he's smiling at me. I'm going, what are you doing? And he goes away, and he comes back with half of my leather shoe in his mouth. And you know what I said? See, God doesn't want me to have nice things. No, he, see, he doesn't. I, and I felt so, I was just like, see, this is just my proof, you know, like, no, bad things happen to good people. I know you don't believe that. You never said that. And so I, 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 I go to the guy, and, and I wanted to shoot the dog and get the leather back, actually. In the Philippines, we eat dog, but, you know, they... They somehow were attached to him. Did you know, by the way, Americans and Canadians spend more on dog food than they do on world missions? Christians. Christians in North America spend more money on dog food than they do on world missions. So the guy says to me, he says, you know, I'm going to take you to buy a new pair of shoes. I said, you better take me to buy a pair of new shoes, you know. These are expensive shoes. Or you kill your dog and get the leather back. And uh, he wasn't going to do that. So he takes me to the store and he says... You know, uh, I want you to go and find uh, uh, a pair of shoes, two, or one, three. Yeah, it was like, he he sent me to go and get uh, three pairs of shoes, and he says, you know, it has to be over $1,000 each pair, and I was so offended. I'm like, how dare you? Three pairs of shoes at $1,000, that's expensive, you know, like, I was so offended that this would happen. I mean, I'm telling you the truth, I was honestly offended. And, and, I, and I, so I'm looking at them, and I find a pair that I like. It was like $1,600, and I put them down quickly. I'm like, it burns, you know. And uh, <laughs> so I, I go to the, I, I said, how much is this one? The lady says $1,200. I said, what's it made out of, gold? You know, like what, what's the, I, I'm used to Byway and Zellers, you know. So I'm, I'm going around, and I'm looking at these shoes. So I finally buy them, and uh, I actually bought three pairs of Coach shoes. And uh, yeah, I like Coach. <laughs> And uh, saying, holla, (laughs) holla if you like it, you know. So I, I, I bring them home, and I'm so guilty to wear them. I wasn't worried about what the world would say. I was actually worried about what the church would say. I said, if I wear these when I'm preaching, people think, oh, he's prosperity, he's uh, full of abundance, you know, he's taking our money. And I, and I thought, well, I better not wear them, so I let them stay in my closet. I actually, in California, brought one pair, and I tried to give them away. Not one man out of the whole room, maybe six, 700 people were the same shoe size as me. I was trying to give them away because I felt so guilty. So I get back to Kelowna six months later and I and the Lord wakes me up and he says, John, I want you to wear the coat shoes this morning. I said, No, Lord, what will my staff say? What would the church say? What if somebody sees me that goes to my church and they see I'm wearing coach shoes? You know, they're gonna get offended. And um I know none of you would ever, ever, ever do that, you know. I mean, you love it when ministers are prosperous. And so I um <laughs> come on. So I remember I, I remember walking out and uh I'm wearing the shoes, and I went, I literally went this to the car, I went, (laughs) and I get in my car, and I go to the gas station, and I'm looking around the gas station, if I know anybody, I go, (laughs) so I go in, and I get my water, and I'm lined up at the counter, and, and, uh, and Ali says, he says, Mr. John, are those coach shoes? And you know what I said? He knows my name. I mean he knew who I was after all this evangelism and talking to him he says Mr. John where did you get the coach shoes from I said oh, oh, oh. it talks you know and he walks with me and he talks with me I mean, I was so amazed, and I just, oh, they were a gift. He says, okay, that'll be $12. That's amazing, Mr. John. You know, he's so happy, and so I go in my car, and I drive away, and I just, well, all the whole day, I'm like, he, he talked to me. I made a friend with a Muslim. He's my first Muslim friend, you know, and I'm driving, and I go home, uh, and the next morning, I put on the second pair of coach shoes, and now I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I go to the gas station, and, and Ali's working, and he says, Mr. John, is that two pairs of coat shoes? I said, yes. He said, where did you get them? Now I got the revelation. I said, Ali, has Muhammad ever given you shoes? He looked at me, and he said, no, never. He only requires. I said, well, these were given to me by God. He said, God makes coach (laughs) shoes? I said, my God owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He said, cattle? (laughs) You know, like, and and, and I I was so happy. I was sharing with him about the faithfulness of God and how he blesses me. Now, I'm still in poverty. (laughs) And I said, I said, Ali... Like, and he says, next in line. Like, he just cut me right off. Right when I got to, I was going to ask about Jesus. Got the next line. So the next day, I'm like, third pair of coaches. I'm running to the closet. I'm putting them on. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, and I'm getting there. And I go in. He goes, Mr. John, this is crazy. Three pairs in three days. Did you win the lottery? I said, no, Ali. God gave them to me. And God wants to give you a pair. And he starts crying. He says, do you think you're a God could take away the migraines I've had all my life. I said, of course. And I reached my hand right away. I said, in Jesus' name, I call forth a manifestation of who you really are in this man's life. I call for the migraines to cease." now. He starts jumping up and down because he got completely healed. <laughs> Ali gave his life to Jesus. I said to him, I said, Ali, I've been trying to minister to you for two years. What's going on? He says, Mr. John, you always look so poor. (laughs) I said, what? He says, why would I want your God? Your cars are broken down, your bumpers, you're always just getting the bare minimum of gas. (laughs) Never premium. He said, and other people who come to evangelize to me, they have Jesus loves me on their bumper sticker, but their bumpers falling off. He says, I don't need your God. He said, but when you showed me that God cared about me, and he wanted to take care of me, and he actually cares about my needs, I wanted your God. See, prosperity with a purpose, that's what it's about, friends that people will look at your life and they'll see the covenant that God made back in the old test with you that he would make a covenant with you that you would have the power to generate wealth the power to get gain so that people may look at you and the covenant would be remembered that God has not forgotten about his children he has not forgotten about his people and he actually cares about your shoes he cares about your clothes he cares about your house he's actually interested in what you're interested in and he wants to make you famous so that you can make Jesus famous. My shoes led somebody to Jesus because I got out of poverty. And some of you in this room, you would feel guilty wearing a $1,000 pair of shoes. It would eat away at your spirit. You'd be like, some of you are like, no, bring them on, hallelujah, you know. But there's some of you, and I'm talking to you right now. I'm serious. You better get rid of that stinking thinking. Because it is blocking your destiny. It is blocking the portals of heaven. God loves you so much that if he wanted to give you a $2,000 pair of shoes, he'd give you a $2,000 pair of shoes. And you better sport them like it's 1959, vintage model. You better be walking on those things. You better be thinking that there's no place like home clicking them three times. I'm telling you, you actually got to start to believe that God's interested in blessing you. Why? Because you are guilty by association. When you became a child of the living God, you became part of the family of God. You are under the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And I am telling you, you are guilty by association. When you get to heaven, there's a mansion waiting for you. You're going to walk on the streets of gold. There's a banqueting table. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in heaven. See, when you start to actually realize that you're guilty by association, you start to act a little differently. Turn in your Bibles quickly, Luke chapter 6. Verse 12, I'm going to go quick, quick, quick like a bunny. Luke 6, 12, the journey of faith. Are you doing okay? How many of you are messing with the boxes in your mind? Good, good. I want to smash them. Because God is not meant to live in a box. Burn it and send it to hell. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. Simon, who named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, uh, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Are you with me? So he calls forth his leaders. Now, Further on in, in the chapter, what you're going to start to realize here, and, and I just want you to see this. So he calls them. Go, to me, go with me quickly. Luke chapter, uh, hold on now. I'm, I'm going two places here. Go to uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. We're there, right? Good. Hold on now. I know, I know. I already read it. Good. Now go to 9. So he's called the twelve. When Jesus had called the 12, go to chapter 9, please, Luke 9. I wanted you to see that first because we're casting a picture here for you to follow. Luke chapter 9. Are you there? Say amen if you're there. Say hold on if you're not. Jesus waits for the one. I'm not Jesus. Luke chapter 9. I'm just kidding, just kidding. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. Say power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them. So understand the context. He's sending them out on their first mission trip. And they're like, oh, it's our assignment. We're so excited. Send us, Jesus. Send us. Oh, we're going to get those demons. You know, they're all excited. And Jesus says, okay, gather around. Here's your instructions, your packing list. Take nothing. What? Read it right there. Verse 3, he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra cloak, no extra shirt, no change of underwear. Whenever you enter the whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village. So they go out on a three-week journey. They can't take anything with you. Listen to me. Jesus is sending them on their first trip, and he says, okay, I'm, I'm so excited. You've got power, you've got authority, but you're broke. And many of you believe that today. I've got the love of God, he lives in my heart, I've got the power, Shaka but I'm broke. But that's not what he's really saying. He's saying, if you're going to start this journey... If you're going to start going out in my name with power and authority, you better learn how to live by faith. So don't take a shirt, don't take a pair of underwear, don't take a walking stick. The actual version when it says don't bring a bag, what it meant was don't bring the offering basket. <laughs> because, you know, if you didn't bring anything, they could just say, well, we're going to pass an offering and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have provision made for us. But he says, no, you don't get to do that because you've got to learn the foundation that even if everything was taken away from you today and you only had me, I would still be enough. He's laying a foundation that is paramount for the apostles and the and the disciples that even if they got lost, even if they got shipwrecked, even if they got uh, hanged upside down, no matter what would happen to them, they were still okay because they still had God. And when he says, and you go to the city, and you knock on the door, and you stay in that house, and if they don't answer, you go to the next house, here's what he's really saying. The actual translation is this. You go, you walk through two or three hours, you get to the city, you knock on the door, and if they slam the door in your face, you don't get to go to another door. You have to leave the city. And they don't got nothing. And they're tired. So they go to another city. And they do it over and over and over again. But I'm telling you, church, many ministers and you as people forget this when you become successful or later down your pathway of your career. And you think it's because of you that you're blessed. And you don't realize that at the beginning of it all, you ain't got nothing. You had nothing. When Marevick and I started, we had absolutely nothing. We didn't own a bed. The bed we had wasn't even ours. I mean, the Copelands at least rented one. I told that to Gloria. I said, you were much better off than we were. We had nothing. Not a piece of luggage. Not a car. But we had Jesus. And when you learn that God plus nothing is still everything, why is he teaching them this? Because he knows they're going to be very successful. He knows they're going to take the world by force. And he doesn't want stuff or money to have a hold on them. Go over quickly with me. We're going, Luke, hold on now. I'm going to, I'm going to paint the picture for you. Go to Luke chapter 22. 22 verse 35. Are you there? 22, 35. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandal, did you lack anything? And they said, well, of course, yeah, we lacked everything. No, they said, what did they say? Nothing. Now, listen to what he says now. Verse 36, he says, but now, if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Now, why is there this transition? Is Jesus schizophrenic? Certainly not. Is he changed his mind or his opinion? No. What he's saying now, because you learned how to live by faith and stuff can't have a hold on you, now you get to bring this stuff with you. Now because it won't control you and it won't manipulate you and it won't make you do things and you will never make a decision based on your stuff or your need, now you can actually learn what it's like to have stuff. See, Maverick and I, before we had anything, we were sold out to the gospel. So now, if no matter if we had 10 houses, 50 houses, 5 million, 20 million, 50 million, I would still keep doing what I'm doing. A billionaire asked me through Andrew receive rate, One of our friends said, John, if I could give you a check for $100 million, what would you do differently in your ministry? I said, nothing. We would just do it better. Because I know what I'm sold out to. I know what I'm called to. And when you learn that the journey of faith is actually a process of you coming to a place of saying, okay, I, I know what it's like to have nothing, but now I get to actually have this stuff because the stuff doesn't have a hold on me. Are you listening to me, church? It, it's so important. Uh, look, Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. Matthew seventeen twenty-four. I got some good news for you. How many of you owe CRA money right now? Be honest, you owe CRA money right now. Canada Revenue Agency, you owe C-R-A. How many? Lift your hand right now. You're going to get a miracle. After Jesus' disciples arrived in Capernaum, the tax collectors and the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But verse 27, but so that we may not cause offense, listen to me. Don't ever tell me Jesus is broke. People telling me, oh, Jesus was broke when he was on the earth. First of all, how many broke people carry a bookkeeper? People say, well, he didn't have a house. The earth is his footstool. Yeah. You really want Jesus to have a physical address? Well, he lived at 13 Lamport Drive. No, the earth is his footstool. He owed taxes. People say, well, he broke. He can't pay his taxes. Are you kidding me? He says to his disciple, go to the lake that I created. Uh, me, I made it. And use the, the iron hook on the fishing line on a wooden pole. By the way, I made the wood. It's mine. And that metal, it all belongs to me. And go to that lake and catch a a fish. By the way, I made the fish too. They're mine. And you're going to catch a fish and in the fish's mouth is going to be a gold coin. Now, by the way, all the silver and the gold belongs to me. Take the gold coin and go and pay your taxes. All of a sudden... The disciple who was trying to protect Jesus and look out for Jesus, saying, Jesus, have we paid our taxes? You know, like they're asking about your taxes. He not only gets enough to pay Jesus' taxes, Jesus says to him, take that gold coin, go and pay mine and yours too. Why? Because he's guilty by association. You are coming into a realm of abundance where Jesus is going to start taking care of your bills because you're guilty by association because all you said was, Jesus, we got some bills because you decided that you weren't going to do life by yourself and you actually believed that God was doing life with you and he actually cared about your detail. So now when I get a bill, I say, Jesus, you got some mail. You think I'm joking. Oh, I know you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. Just recently, our ministry, we we were financially, we were tight. And I don't mean like tight because we weren't giving. And we had a bill for payroll, which is $32,000 every two weeks. It's a lot of money. We didn't have enough for payroll. We had $18,000 in the bank. I went to the Kathy, our bookkeeper. I said, Kathy, empty the accounts. She goes, I plan on doing it. I said, no, no. I want you to sow into these ministries. She goes, John, that's our payroll money. I said, no, it's not my problem. It's his. We don't have enough. And if we don't have enough, it's seed. She says, well, at least we can keep it back and call forth the increase. I said, no, 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 no. Don't mess around with God. I said, write the checks. And she wasn't, she wasn't sure if she was going to. I said, I'll write the checks myself if I have to. But we're planting the seed. So we emptied the bank account. We sent $18,000 out. The next day, Blaine Cook, a dear friend of mine, Called me up. He says, John, I want to make a $50,000 donation to your ministry. That happens all the time. Why? Because I'm obedient. Because if, it, if I don't have enough to meet my need, it's my seed. And I just say, not my problem. Jesus, you got some mail. We, we, we had a, a garage bill door broke. Because Meravik, um ran into it. The garage ran into her; it was moving, and and it was you know it was some bill, and then something else broke down in our house, and something so three things broke down, and I just said, Lord, you got some mail. So in the Philippines, this pastor calls me. He says, John, I'm sending two thousand dollars to you, U.S. Same day. I, I can't I can't run away from the blessing. Everywhere I go, I'm preaching. People come up and give me hundreds and hundreds of dollars, jewelry. I I, I mean, I could start a vault with all the gold I have. Why? Because I'm starting to walk in my association, and I'm guilty by association. When you start to realize that it's not about you, it's actually about walking in the fulfillness of what God's called you to do, you stop worrying so much because you realize, God, you got some mail. Are you with me? You know the story of when Jesus multiplied the bread. He takes the bread and lifts it up to heaven. What you don't realize is they actually just came off their first mission trip. And they're coming back and they want to tell all the stories of success of why they're so blessed. Oh, Jesus, look what we did. Look at all the miracles we did. Look at this and look at that. And they want to tell Jesus about all the praise reports. But Jesus actually isn't interested in their praise report. What he's interested in is the crowd that's following him. And he, so they finally come back. They're exhausted from their trip. They've been casting out demons. And have you ever casted out a demon? It's a lot of work. Like, it, it's not like, in Jesus' name, be gone. Like, shakamori, blah, You know, and they're like, no, we're not leaving. And you're like, no, you're leaving. No, we're not leaving. By the way, you have to watch your waterways. The Lord told me in Ontario. Because what do demons do? Even when they got driven into the pigs, where did they go? they're attracted to water when people manifest demons what do they why do they vomit why do they leak fluids it's cuz it's the water leaving their body there's demonic things principalities in the water you got to, you've got to cleanse the waterlands the waterways i mean in Kelowna, we 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 we've dealt with the ogopogo spirit so long in that water finally i just said i'm putting some chlorine it's done it's dead it's withered up Why? Because I understand the principalities. See, he's casting, they come into association with Jesus. Now, all of these people who are following Jesus, because they're associated with them, are in the middle of the greatest miracle that we keep telling. He's about to feed 5,000 men. And he says to the disciples, gather around, I'm going to teach you. School of hard knocks. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're tired, Jesus. We want to go to the secluded place, Jesus. We're exhausted, Jesus. He says, no, no, gather around. And he says to them, this is what he says to them. Jesus. They said... Jesus, they're tired. Let them go home. They don't want to hear Heidi tonight. <laughs> they're tired. Just let them go back to where they came from. And Jesus, says, oh, yeah, they're tired. Aren't they? Yeah, they're really tired. And they're really hungry. Oh, are they hungry? Oh, they're so hungry. Good, good. You 12, give them something to eat. Whoa, Jesus. Whoa. Just time out here. Us, give them something to eat. Like there's 5,000 of them and there's 12 of us and we're broke, Jesus. Boy, if I had a dollar every time I heard that in the church. I'm broke, Jesus. I can't give them something to eat. He says, no, you give them something to eat. And they say, well, okay. Here's all we got. Some bread and some fish. What you going to do about that, Jesus? He's like, oh, yeah, bring them to me. And they're like, okay, sure. (laughs) And they're bringing it to him. And then he says, oh, yeah, Boo. Boomba, thank you, Jesus. Now he starts handing it out. And they're like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, they're guilty by association. Increase isn't an accident. It's an association. They start breaking the bread. They start breaking the fish. They're saying, in Jesus' name, they're giving it out. The disciples are running. First, Jesus says, wait, before you serve them, put them in groups of 50. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Now, you have to understand, charismatics never sit in groups of 50. Well, I want to sit with Susie. She traveled from Trenton. And I, well, what do you mean the doors don't open to 7? I want to come in at 630. Well, I, no, we have to sit together. My mother-in-law came to the meeting. And you can imagine Peter, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, shut up, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, woman be loose, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 70, 80, 90, 90, and 50, sit, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. 50, sit, 1, 2, 3, 4, 4, and John just like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, 1, 2, 3, I'm the beloved, 1, 4, you know, they're all running around putting in groups of 50, and then they finally come back, okay, Jesus, they're in 50, can we go home now, like they're sitting down. They're shutting up. They're be quiet. He says, no, watch this. Shaka bang. <laughs> Give them a basket. They said, go now feed them. So they're running with the baskets to the 50 and they're feeding the 50. Now all of a sudden the miracle has created work in their life. You better be careful about praying for your prosperity because your prosperity comes with a purpose and other people are about to get a whole lot of work because of your blessing. See, when I got blessed, I started hiring more staff. (laughs) I run them ragged. We've got 27 of them growing. Now we've got orphanages that have staff. Now we've got workers overseas. Probably because of our ministry, thousands of people are employed all over the world. And so they're serving the 50, and they're running, and they're coming back. And they're, okay, Jesus, okay, Jesus, oh, we're so tired. I hope there's no demons. We're running, okay, okay. Oh, I hope they do not take an offering. And they're running back and forth. And they finally come, and they're all fed. And she's like, okay, they're, Jesus. He's like, hallelujah. hallelujah, He's at rest because Jesus always did things at rest. And they're all like, ah, 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 ah. Jesus says to them, oh good, are you all done? Yeah, yeah, we're so done, we're so, so done. Please let us go and have a so so we're so done. Jesus, oh good, now that you're done, pick up the crumbs. Jesus, I'm having a prophetic word right now. It's you flying a kite. So they go, now they're not happy with And they're picking up the crumbs from the grass. And you gotta believe you're like, stupid crumbs, stupid people always dropping things. Why do I have to pick up? Why is it always me, Lord? You know? And John just like, just a closer walk with thee. And they're just serving the fish and they're getting the crumbs. And they finally all come back, and John's the last one. He's like, ah. Oh, these crumbs are so beautiful. I wish to lay against them on your breast. You know, and bring them back. And why in the world does Jesus tell them to pick up the crumbs? Here's why. Because they're blessed by association. And Jesus wants them to know that he is the God who provides. And there's always more than enough. And what you thought I couldn't do, now you have the leftovers. I'll have the keyboardist come. Worship team, come. I want to show the slideshow. Look quickly, now we're going to close, and I'm going to lay an impartation over each and every one of you in 10 and 12 minutes because I'm good. (laughs) I'm going to ask the ushers to quickly help me in a moment, but before I do that, three and a half years ago, many of you have heard this story before. My dad called me while he was at work. He said, son, I have diabetes, and I'm sick, and I think I'm going to lose my job. I said, what are you talking about, dad? He says, yesterday at work, I saw the top parts of my fingers off. He's a, he's a carpenter. He makes Jewish people's kitchens for a living. And uh, he, he said to me, "Son, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no money. I have no insurance. I, I said, Dad, don't you worry. God's going to provide for us. See, the Lord had told me when we broke out of poverty and we, we, went, we, we were on welfare for years, that we would never, me and my family line, would never be in welfare ever again. And here we were, stuck in the middle of this And now my dad's going back on welfare. My dad called me five months after welfare. He says, son, still hard to tell sometimes. He says, son, I'm on welfare, and it feels like everything's collapsing on me. And my feet and my eyes are going. I can barely see. His diabetes was one of the worst progressing the doctors have ever seen. And he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, don't you worry, Dad. God's got you covered. He's going to take care of you. He's so faithful. My dad went back on welfare. I was so mad. I would cry. I said, God, you promised me that me and my family would never have to suffer this spirit again. He called me. He said, son, I I have a question for you. I said, what is it? He says, I I, want to borrow $10,000. I said, well, Dad, you know the policy. We don't lend money. We only give it. He says, well, can I have $10,000? Now, what he didn't know and nobody knew is Marevic and I didn't own a house. And all of our life and full-time ministry, we have given away our house money so that we could further advance the kingdom. And the one thing that Marevic has asked me for since day one that we've gotten married, she says, John, I just want a house. I just want my own house. I don't have to worry about what colors I can paint the walls, if I can hang things. I I want my own house. I said, oh, sweetheart, don't you worry, we're going to have a house. We finally saved up enough money for a down payment. My dad calls and all my stuff's having a family. All we have to our name, because we just emptied our account out for missions, is $10,000 in a savings account, and it's Marevic's house money. And I went to her, I said, you know, love, my dad needs help, and... Because um, he called me, he says, I want to buy a restaurant. Well, he can't cook to save his life. And I thought, well, Dad, I you know, I grew up with you. We had apple soup, you know, like... And it didn't taste very good. <laughs> He says, no, John, I know I'm supposed to open a restaurant. I said, okay, pops. So I went to Meravik. And, of course, when he called, I said, well, i got to ask Meravik, Then <laughs> I just used the wife card. So I went to Meravik. I said, sweetheart, you know, my dad wants to borrow $10,000 or have $10,000. She goes, and I still remember her looking at me, sadness, and saying, well, that's our house money. And I know what she was basically saying is, John, I've given everything. I've sown everything. Everything you've ever asked me to do, I've done. I've moved from my family. I've given up you. I've sacrificed time away from you. And now the one thing that we have left, do you want to take? I said, no, no, so? I don't want to take. So I called my dad back up and uh, I said, well, it looks good, you know. And uh, I'm going to write the check for $10,000. Because Maverick basically said to me, whatever you feel led to do, which is basically bad words when you're married, you know. So I went to go and write the check for $10,000, and my hand was shaking so hard, but not in a prophetic kind of way. Just fear. It's the most money I've ever sown into anything. You know, it's a lot of money. Since then, we've given much more, but I remember writing the check for $10,000, and the Lord stopped me. He says, John, what are you doing? I said, exactly. And I said, well, Lord, I'm helping my dad. If I don't help my dad, I'm worse than an unbeliever. And he says, don't use that on me. I'm God. He says, John, if you give the dad, your dad $10,000 and it's all about what you can do. I said, exactly. You should do it. He said, but if you take this $10,000 and you sow it into these ministries. And I just freaked right out. He says, then it will become a seed of faith. And I looked at my dad in heaven and I can see a picture of my dad on earth. And I'm thinking, you got to be nuts if you're doing this. Like, it's bad enough that I'm giving it to my dad. Now I have to go back to Merivik and say, uh, sweetheart, we're going to give it to the church. So I called my dad up. I said, Dad, I have really good news and really bad news. He said, well, what's the good news? I said, the good news is God really cares about your restaurant. He said, what's your bad news? I said, well, um, the Lord told me to sow the $10,000 into these ministries with your restaurant name on the back of it. He said, there you go again, always giving money to the church, always emptying everything out. It's always about the church, 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 church. I said, it's actually about the Lord. So I went to write the seed, you know, these checks, $1,000. We gave them over some over a period of five months. And my hand was shaking, and I was crying, and I'm sowing the seeds. And then my dad said something to me on the phone. He said, son, I I don't have faith for this, but I'm going to attach my faith to yours. I'm going to attach my faith to yours to shift something in my life. So I said to Dad, don't you worry, Dad, in two months this will all be cleaned up and fixed. Hallelujah. Two months later, he calls you and says, it didn't work. Have you ever had this happen? I mean, you you put all your faith in there. You're like, okay, God, you can do this. So I I said, okay, God, you have to come through. You have to do something for us. So I I, I said, God, what, what is going on? What is going on? The Lord had me sow another seed called my dad and said dad everything's fine don't you worry everything's okay in heaven two weeks later my dad calls me and says son you'll never guess what happened i said what happened he goes a restaurant a mexican restaurant went bankrupt they lost everything and the city has awarded me to have the restaurant and i have the lease for six months for free over two hundred thousand dollars of equipment given to him Coca-Cola comes to him and says, "Mr. Perks, we want to be your official sponsor for all your advertising in the city." Go to the next oh, go, Genesis twenty-six twelve. Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year, say the same year, reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Go to the next slide. I want to show you. That's my dad. Go to the next slide. That's the restaurant. You don't understand what I'm telling you. He did not have a dollar to his name. He was on welfare and God gave him a restaurant. Let me tell you something about my God. He is no respecter of persons. What he did for my family, he can do for your family. God's getting ready to cook up something good for Belleville unlike you've ever seen before because you are coming into a season of supernatural faith. There is a release of God's anointing and his... presence there is something shifting in the atmosphere everything's about to change go to the next slide that sign was paid for by coca-cola the restaurant hired single moms and kids that came out of the prison system it became the number one restaurant the first year. Durham Region, Rob Andrews and the whole region awarded them an award for the best restaurant in the entire region. The newspaper came the first week it was open, asked him, Adam, we know where you live. You live in the ghetto. How could you afford this? He tells them the story. The newspaper writes in the article, in Port Perry, Restaurant of Faith opens up. Why? 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 Because God is looking for people of faith to be activated again. That they would sow and believe that God is still faithful. That God is still able. That his arm is not too short. That God would still get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. The restaurant, Muslim man comes next door. He owns the Esso gas station. You can see it there. He says, puts a check for $50,000 on the counter. He says, we're partners. My dad says, excuse me? He says, we're business partners. And my dad says, I can't partner with you. You're a Muslim. You don't believe in what I believe. The Esso gas station owner says, I tell you what. I will build a restaurant at every one of my gas stations that I own, if you would only open my restaurant. My dad says, why? He says, because my revenues have quadrupled since you've come in. Why? Because the Muslims are blessed by association. Listen to me, your schools are blessed because of association, your business is blessed because of association, your employer, your banks, where you decide to put your investments, your church, everything you touch is blessed by association because you've got the God of breakthroughs working out on your behalf. And here's what I want to do, the same that I did for my dad. I'm going to receive a faith offering in this place right now. And just like I said to my dad, I'm going to attach my faith. Meravik is preparing our seed even right now. On the back of your envelope, I want you to write exactly, word for word, what you're believing God for. This is a seed of faith. You're mixing your faith together. And I'm going to ask the altar, for the ministry team to put the offering in. was right here beside the pulpit because we're going to build an altar very quickly. Some of you have to sow for your businesses, for your family. This is for financial breakthrough. This is not for uh, inner healing or deliverance. I'm specifically going after financial breakthrough. And I want you to write your check out to be a hero. Some of you need to sow for your businesses. Some of you need to sow for your children's businesses, your future... Father, I thank you right now. Some of you need to sow. And some of you are like me, your hands shaking. You're like, like I've never done this before. This is scary. You know, it was scary for me. But you're taking a seed of faith and you're sowing it in because here's what's about to happen. Listen to me. Look at me for a second. I know we've got to go. I know we've got places to go, people to see. But we're making a portal because we're mixing our faith together. And as we mix our faith together, it shifts the atmospheres of heaven. And that's what's taking place in this atmosphere with this anointing. And when you're ready, I want you to come to your feet. And and I want you to come and present your offering before the Lord. The ushers are going to help line you up all the way through the aisles. And I'm going to come and lay hands on you very quickly. Very, very quickly. But you have to do this fast. Okay, there's an activation. Some of you are sowing from your businesses. And you're sowing just like I did for my dad's breakthrough. You're sowing for your breakthrough. And for the next 30 days, I'm going to pray over every single one of these envelopes. And I tell you, there's fire on my hands right now. I feel the impartation that's about to be released of supernatural breakthrough. You come quickly, quickly, quickly. If your seed is ready, present it before the Lord. Now, if you don't have faith for this this morning, I'm still going to pray for you. There's no no offense, but I'm asking you, if you do not have faith, don't contaminate the offering. Just Just don't give. It's okay. You don't have to give. Listen to me. You have to be obedient. If the Lord tells you to give a dollar, you give a dollar. If he tells you to give five million, you give five million. If he tells you to give two cents, give two cents. It's all about obedience. It's not about dollars. Quickly, 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 the presence of the Lord is here. Nothing is impossible. there's a shift in the atmosphere Joe and Bella come up here I have a word for you the Lord says, get ready, get ready, get ready, joint hands. There's an impartation. I need an usher. There's an impartation for the Lord says, even now you've been stewarding a movement. Even now you've been stewarding a movement, but get ready for the social media outbreak that's about to come upon your family and your house. Get ready, get ready, get ready for the Lord says, business
1: anointing.
0: Pastor Kevin would you come please I want to pray for you thank you Lord thank you Lord come line up right here Ushers help me line them up please come on sing it worship team you make a way God where there seems to be no way. Oh son and a number, fire now in You'll Jesus' name. Father, right no now way. in Jesus' name. I'm anointing in Jesus' name. As freely as I receive, You'll so freely.